It was an absolute pleasure to wake and emerge from my tent already miles and thousands of feet above where I'd previously camped at the truck. In the gray light of morning, I sparked my micro burner stove to make instant coffee and oatmeal. Although chilled in the cold morning air, I removed my puffy vest and packed it in my Everly stock, along with provisions for the day. Not long out of camp, as I gained enough altitude to view much of the surrounding habitat, I spotted exactly what I'd hoped to see, a large and mature bull perched above a harem of cows. In the calm of early morning, wind would be at its most cooperative and predictable, so I set a course to close the gap, a mile or a little more to get into his zone. Short of a 20 or so minute delay to allow the stare of a vigilant cow to dismiss, the stock went very well. I had closed the gap and now found myself standing among the fresh tracks of the bull that I'd watched in my binoculars and camera. Now on the cap of the large and rounded butte, I crept with tippy toes, scanning for sign of hair or horn. Peering through the bright morning sun, I spotted antler tips tilting in the mix of silver dead and patchy green pines. He was in range, but it was just way too thick for a shot. The bull was big, likely one of the larger bulls I'd seen so far this season. His main beams were wide and long, a six point on the left and actually just a five on the right, a quality that I personally admire actually. The bull moved from my left to right, slightly angling away and then into the trees too thick for me to tell if he'd stopped or where he'd gone. This scenario was perfect. Just like last year, I was dogging a herd with the bull right where I wanted him, in the back and all alone. Problem was, however, that this herd was not really moving. Throughout the morning, it was basically milling about on the top of this knob. So it wasn't like the linear process of actually following elk that were strung out and moving away. It was more like trying to get within close range and clear line of sight of a swirling hive of elk. I knew I was right in their hip pocket, and as I peered around trees, snags, and obstructions, I expected to see hair or antler at any moment. I needed to spot the bull again so I could monitor where his attention was focused and guide my approach. Nearing the top of this rounded knob, I couldn't see very far for the curvature of the ground line, not to mention the scattered trees. Was the bull just over and out of my line of sight, likely in the open and providing shot opportunities if I were just 30 yards ahead? Opportunities to shoot elk do not wait around, and I am a staunch believer in being aggressive and making things happen, as opposed to some who seem more apt to sit tight and see what they're dealt by the hand of luck. Luck of the good variety, and I have never had a great relationship. I don't wait around for luck anymore. I pressed onward, confident in my track record of spotting elk before they spot me. Just a minute ago, the bull was standing right here, I gasped internally. He didn't spook, I was sure of that. He had simply trekked ahead, undoubtedly keeping cozy with his cows. The trees were just thick enough that everything within my field of view was also within bow range. I had advanced well past where I'd last seen the bull and knew that at any moment somebody was going to spot somebody. It was just a matter of who came first. As I topped out over the crest, I was once again in a head-on disadvantage with the sun. Low and bright, its morning lays were beaming parallel to the ground and making my ability to scan ahead very difficult. I raised my left arm to block the sun and stepped carefully and deliberately. 
Then they ran. The elk had seen my legs. Not surprising, as sometimes tree trunks and branches create the equation where line of sight is blocked at eye level, yet open and clear from around the knees, which is I'm sure what they saw. They only saw foreign movement, and they didn't get my wind. A soft spook. From gaps in the trees, I could watch them over the next several hundred yards. And I opted to let them go and not push anymore. Better to keep them in the area for another opportunity than push onward from a disadvantage to begin with. I want to bring something to mention here that many of these experiences that I'm recounting I also captured on video. So if you're listening to this and would also like to see what many of these things look like, jump over to vimeo.com fishbite and check out the most recent film called Love Every Minute. However, be warned, spoiler alert, that this video does reveal the outcome of my season. Okay, so the remainder of that day was filled with continued exploration into the farthest reaches of what this huge drainage contained. I'd pressed to the uppermost panels of timber and zigzagged my way back down, discovering endless areas filthy with elk sign. Very productive in the scouting sense, but bared no fruit in the sense of actual encounters. I wandered to the edge of the canyon that contained the wallow, below the shale rock cliffs and slides, and I decided to drop all the way down to see what may be happening at that wallow. It was already 7.30, and the evening light was filled with the peachy colors of Alpenglow. I dropped a quarter of the way down the steep slope when I decided to stop and get a final bite to eat so that I'd be fueled for whatever I encountered at the wallow and then the trek back up and out and down to camp. As I swung my pack over my shoulder and adjusted the straps, a twinkle of light and movement in the distance caught my eye. There, in one of the most prominent saddles in the entire drainage, a herd of elk was milling out of the timber and into the open sage. I do have shots of this in the video, by the way. It was the absolute perfect scenario for me to sneak into bow range. Just under a mile away and a substantial amount of climbing to get there, much of which I'd just descended, I couldn't help but snark as I looked at my watch and calculated if I had time and the physical ability to put myself on that saddle and capitalize on this opportunity. Because the night prior, I'd chosen that very saddle to spend the final hour of light. I'd been tactfully set up in the very grove of Christmas trees that this elk herd was now mingling among. But one way or another, there they were now, and I chose to give everything I had to make it to the elk before shooting light was lost. I imagine this very scenario often when I'm trail running in preparation for hunting season. It's like the closing miles of the race, putting everything I have mentally and physically out on the table and knowing that the result will live forever in hindsight. My entire body pumped like pistons in an engine. The first half mile was the toughest. Lots of elevation needed to be claimed, and I opted to get as much of it taken care of early so that the remaining distance, I could try to recover, rest, and slow my breathing to a level where I could focus and shoot. Racing strategy while hunting. Pretty cool, I thought. I also anticipated that once I got to the perimeter of the elk herd, I'd get hung up and stopped with the process of remaining undetected. And just as I imagined, I watched in admiration, but also frustration, as the herd bull hooked and ran cows in a repeating pattern just in front of me, but one small bull had caught a glimpse of my movement closing the gap, and he had me pinned. 
I could tell he was not overly concerned with what he'd seen, and in short order, he did indeed dismiss my camouflage blob on the trees. Now, I'll tell you what, I mentioned how many of the things I was able to capture on video from this hunt. Well, the scene that unfolded in front of me here is one that I really wish I could have captured. In fact, at several points as I closed in on this group of elk, I contemplated pulling out the camera, but shot opportunities were just inevitable, so I kept my bow in hand and camera stowed. As the September sun slid behind the rugged mountain peaks, a soft and colorful sunset painted the sky. Perfectly framed in front of me, the backlit herd of elk milled about. Juvenile raghorns browsed on the perimeter, while the herd bull pushed, hooked, and ran his cows back and forth, much of the time right on the skyline. It was a calendar-like setting if I've ever seen one. And as much as I enjoyed admiring this, I was eagerly rooting for the elk to make their way over the saddle and out of sight, as this would provide me the chance to scurry up to the edge and pop over, almost certainly within range of the elk. Soon enough, this did happen, but the light was fading fast. We were right on the edge of what I could imagine being enough light to see through the peephole in my bowstring. I pushed as quickly and quietly as possible a hundred or so yards to crest the skyline where the herd had just dropped behind. As I did, my legs burned, my lungs heaved. I tried desperately to slow, calm, and control my breathing. Not thirty yards ahead of me now, two young bulls were sparring, heads down and antlers locked. They pushed and shoved against each other, the ultimate opportunity for a predator to strike. My entire life I'd heard of hunters in this situation, and I often imagined what it would be like myself. Well, looking back now, I can actually barely even remember because I remained so focused on my approach and keeping close watch on all the other elk in the area, monitoring for a head to come up and lock in my direction, and that is exactly what happened. Just as I was sidestepping to align an unobstructed view of the pair of broadside bulls and impress a fateful outcome on the sparring match, a cow, 30 yards to the side, busted me. She bolted downhill towards the two bulls and the rest of the herd, taking a pair of spikes with her. The bulls unhooked and looked up in confusion as the cow and spikes ran past them. I came to full draw and placed my pins on the larger of the two. Confirming that I could actually see and clearly define my target and pins, I focused on the bull I'd chosen, but he and the other began trotting downhill in a way. I promptly delivered a series of my fail-safe goat bleats in rapid succession, and the smaller bull came to a stop. I had my pins right on his shoulder, but he was quartering away at an angle I deemed too steep. For ten or so seconds, we locked on each other. The shot was within reason, but it just didn't feel right. I mean, the bull was small, but any elk is a great victory for a backcountry hunter. All the components were there. We were even in a part of the region that would offer about as easy of a pack out as could be expected. The vibe just wasn't there, you know? Kind of like scanning the radio dial and coming upon Christian rock. You finally hit a clean, crisp signal. There's decent sounding instruments. You don't recognize the tune. Maybe you just can't quite make out the lyrics or the voice but you're kind of going along with it for a few seconds, and then there's just something not quite right here. Then you make out something in the chorus that sounds like being on your knees for your father, and you're like, nope, I'm out of here. And this little bull and I seem to reach the same conclusion about each other, and everything just dissipated. In a way, I think we were both relieved. 
I bounded my way back to camp that night with a sense of accomplishment and relative satisfaction for the day's outcome and an Eddie Vedder melody repeating in my head.